We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 to begin with this morning, so I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles there. Um, we're covering four concepts this Advent, waiting, watching, worshiping, and witnessing. And so this morning we're going to be looking at the idea of waiting. You may recall last week that um, we looked at Simeon, the one who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Um, that phrase actually came up in some uh, Christmas songs that I was listening to. I hope you're listening to some of those things, but it, it was very encouraging even just to me uh, personally to, to go through the message, but then to worship a little bit differently thinking through what the meaning of the songs are. I think sometimes we can forget um, that, that there's some really great doctrine in Christmas songs, though there's also some really poor doctrine in Christmas songs, so be careful. Um, is that right, Mason? Yeah, so he laughs heartily at that. Um, but uh, I hope you remember, um, if you weren't here, I'll, I'll just give you kind of a quick review. As I was sharing about the waiting last week, um, I gave this illustration about waiting for my mom to come pick us, uh, my brothers and myself up from school. Um, and, and I'm going to come back to that in a second. But, but it made me think um, a little bit about some of the things that I do watching now. And, and you may have the same habit because of this wonderful thing called Amazon delivery or UPS delivery that brings presents to your door. How many of y'all are shopping that way predominantly now? Okay, lots of you in here. So um, I, I can't tell too much, but can I, can I share a little bit last night what happened, Katie, on our front porch? So we got some deliveries yesterday, and I went out and got them, and I was like, Katie, you need to go handle these right now. Because as you can imagine, one of the gifts was not like in a box. It was just in a clear plastic bag. And I was like, if Juliana had opened the door and found that, she would have had a Christmas gift and the surprise ruined, right? So what I'm doing now, this is my habit, I'm watching differently for the delivery of Christmas packages than I do normally when packages arrive through the year. Because what happens? You order, you get what? A tracking number. And then you can do what? Follow the tracking number to when it's going to be delivered at your house. And what am I trying to do? I'm trying to beat Katie home or Juliana home so they don't find the packages with the shipping labels on it, right? Because that could potentially, or like last year, I think I got Katie, what, I think I got you the, um, the nice crock pot, and it had it like listed on the outside what it was. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I'm watching for these things all the time, right? So let me go back to the illustration. Uh, are am I the only one? Y'all are like looking at me like I'm an uh, like alien. Like I got two heads on my shoulder or something. Am I the only one? Okay, gosh, y'all. Um, so, Josh, thanks, man. <laughs> Next year. I've never thought about that. I always thought it was like if you're shipping the gift for them, you know, the to, to them. So it just like, yeah. Okay, thanks. That's helpful. <laughs> It doesn't help if it's on the box, though, or if it's in a clear bag. So I'm just saying, I'm trying to justify myself now. So, so what's that? You can ask for that extra? Now I know. Y'all just changed my life. Thank you so much. Um, but y'all get it, okay? So, so let, me, let me go back to the illustration about um, waiting for my mom um, that I gave last week. Because this, this ties into watching just a bit. 
you know, when we wait for something to arrive, there, there's this a- anticipation. We have to have some level of it, right? But I think when I, I looked back and thought about how my brothers and I waited, I told you about how we, we had a, a school uniform that was where ties, neckties, and we would take those things off at the end of the day after sports, and we would take those and we'd pop them like towels. I don't know how many you know, ties we frayed and ruined over the years. But why we did that is because my mom was late. And in her being late, our sense of waiting and watching for her, like, got really lackadaisical. And we would often get distracted. And in our distraction, that's when we started, like, moving away from our bags and our backpacks and all our gear, playing with the, the, the ties, running around chasing each other. And then what would happen is my mom would pull up, and what would she have to do? She'd, like, honk at us, and we go, oh, mom's here. And then we'd go gather all of our stuff. We weren't really like watching with anticipation. So my illustration about the packages and shopping really contrasts, like when you're wanting to protect your loved ones or family members from finding out because you don't have sense to to check the gift box on the thing or wrap it in a separate bag, and you're worried about those the exposure of those things to them and ruin the surprise, you watch really carefully, right? And, And so... I, I know when we were waiting for my mom, we did not watch carefully for her. And I think that's actually a biblical principle that we're going to see like juxtaposed to how people in the scriptures ought to watch for the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to see some interesting things, at least in my estimation, they're really interesting in just the word use. And I'm going to unpack some of that stuff this morning. And we're going to see how both the, the shepherds watched there were others who watched, and, and especially those who were followers of Christ watched for him rightly. So let's read Luke 2, and we're going to read quite a bit of, of Scripture here. Um, uh, we'll, we'll read 1 through 18 just to get some context. So Luke 2, verses 1 through 18. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first uh, registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, pe- on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So, 
we're going to be talking this, this morning, obviously, about the, the idea of watching. So over in, back in verse 8, it was interesting to me, and this is kind of where this whole idea started uh, for me in the, the sermons, is that we read that the shepherds in, in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So I started looking at the use of this word watch through the scriptures. What's interesting, it's, it's used nine times. Uh, three of those are by Matthew. Uh, most of those are in parallel kind of ideas uh, uh, that, that are found in Matthew's gospel, as well as four times in Luke. And then we also see it used uh, a couple times between Mark, Mark's gospel and the book of Revelation. And so it's kind of interesting little nuance. And I was like, okay, why is it used in the way it's used? And how is it used? Because it's translated in some different ways. So I want to break that down just a little bit. So the first thing that we see about this idea of, of watch in the Gospel of Luke is that it's, it's this idea of keeping this hour for the shepherds when they would uh, have an hour in the night that they would be responsible for, for watching. And what's interesting is the Greek here, actually, it, it has this, um, it's like a do, two words, the same word, watching watchfully is kind of the idea um, right there. So we translate it keeping watch, but it's, it's as if they were watching during a watch, okay? And so we get the idea that what the shepherds were actually having to, to be responsible for is like if Mason and, and um, Jeff and Judd and I were shepherds and we're guarding each other's flocks through the night, we'd say, okay, you got these hours on watch, come wake me up when you're done, and then I'll go get Jeff, and then uh, Jeff would then go get Judd, and we'd be through with the watches of the night, so we'd have that turn. Now here's the other interesting thing. As I was watching or looking at this, this word, the, this arrested my attention because as we look at other places, the word is actually translated as prison or a place for guard. And I was like, okay, I started like really wrestling through that. Um, and so we're going to look at this for just a moment. Um, so, so let me give you a, a couple of ideas, and we're going to look at this passage so I, I, I prove this right. But here's the idea. When we think about somebody being uh, responsible for a time of, or period of watch, the idea is that they're responsible for something, okay? And that there's also, when we think about responsibility, what happens when we fail at our responsibilities or we fulfill our responsibilities? There's some kind of consequence, right? It could be negative or it could be positive. And so we're going to look at that in a, a moment too. So turn over to Acts chapter 2 first because I think this is, I, I, I forgot to mention that it's also in Acts. I don't know why I did that. Um, in, when we think about the times that it's used. Um, but turn over to Acts, I said chapter 2, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. So here's what's happened in Acts. Herod um, is the king, and he has just uh, killed uh, J uh, James, the brother of John, and there's other uh, disciples of Jesus that are being imprisoned. And so what we find here is Peter is in prison. We're going to see this plays out, and we're going to see the use of the, the word uh, watch here in verses, uh, in verses 6 and 10. So let's read 6 through 10. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping betu between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Now, that, the word prison there is the same word watch as in Luke, okay? So, so you've got to be mindful of that. Verse 7, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. 
And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to them, wrap your cloak around me, around you and follow me. And Peter went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10, when they had passed the first and the second guard, now that's the same word for watch right there, okay? They came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. And then Peter goes, and he goes to where there's a prayer meeting, and they, they don't think he's really, it's really him, and he's, but he's safe and, and protected and all this other stuff. So here's, this is what like started really rattling my brain about the use of the word, is why is it translated watch in Luke 2, translated in Acts as prison and a place where the, the, like the guards would be posted. And then we're going to read one more passage now. Let's go back to Luke 12 and look at the use there. So I'll give you a second to, to turn to Luke 12. Now I'm building a case, so you guys got to bear with me. This is, this is some, some of the fun of uh, Bible study and putting these things together. So I'm, I'm trying to prove my case here, okay? Verses, uh, so Luke 12, the word occurs in verse 38. We're going to read 35 through 40. Is everybody there? Here's some pages turning. Luke 12, 35. Okay? So, so here what we have is Jesus talking to his disciples and telling them about the future of his return. Okay? So he says this in verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so, they may o- so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. Verse 38, if he comes in the second watch, there's our word, or in the third, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Uh, let's, let's read a little bit further. But note this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So let's stop right there. So when I think about these words and the ideas that are behind them, and, and as I studied this and, and looked at uh, the, the like Bible dictionaries that deal with the Greek and all these things, here's one of the interesting things that I found really early in the study, is that this word watch has an idea of justice that goes with it. Now, when you think about watching and justice, I think this is like most clear when you think about what happens around a prison. So when you think about someone who's in prison, like Peter, or this, this same kind of concept, even though it's not around the word watch, you think about Paul and Silas when they were in prison with the Philippian jailer. When a prisoner escapes, what happens or what is the, the response of the guards that are there? They're, they're in trouble, right? So when you think about the Philippian jailer, when Paul and Silas and, and the prison gates opened and he was afraid that all the prisoners escaped, he did what? His response was to think, I need to just take my own life because I'm going to be in so much trouble. Now, Paul and Silas and Peter in this instance in um, Acts, they're waiting justice themselves because they've done something wrong that basically puts them in a situation or, or, uh, where they are going to face some kind of consequence. So when you think about a, a guard being at a post, they're to make sure that the, the people that pass the post, either in or out, 
are experiencing the right kind of justice, uh, there's, a, there, there's basically a uh, value that's being judged by those people coming or going that they're going to receive some kind of right reconciliation in consequence of either being kept out or allowed in or having to be kept in and not allowed out, right? So y'all are getting this, right? So with these terms, justice is always a, a present. Now think about it in terms with the, the shepherds. If all of us, the, the four guys that I mentioned, let's say Mason's done a great job on his first watch. And I'm responsible for the second watch. And I'm not doing my job, but I fall asleep on watch. And either a predator comes in and kills part of my flock, or thieves come in and steal part of the flock. And maybe it's not my flock. Maybe it's one of Jeff's or Judd's or Mason's. What are they going to do to me as a result of that? There's going to be some kind of just consequence. I might have to give up sheep. I might have to pay them back. I, I don't know. But there's going to be some kind of just consequence for my failure to watch well. Does that make sense? Is everybody with me? It took me a little while to like connect some of these dots. But I think it's biblically true. So the point being, when we think about the, the call to be watching for things, there's a serious part uh, or responsibility on the part of every party involved in that. And so what there is, is there's always an accountability to make sure that we're upholding our duties, whether the prison keeper, whether the watcher is a shepherd, whether e even as a, someone who's waiting justice, you want it to be done well so that justice is served properly, okay? I want people to watch the prisons well so that I'm not treated inappropriately. So you, you get all those things. So now here's the, the big thing I want to talk about just for a minute. With the idea of watching well according to justice, there's always one of two underlying motivations. Okay, this is key. So if you think about the shepherd, in a sense, doing it for the wrong motives, what would be, the, I think the wrong motives would be these of fear that leads or it may be produced by uh, guilt or shame. So it's a fear of how others, like if I fail, I would respond in, in a, a right action, but it's motivated out of fear and the guilt and shame of doing it poorly. Now, the opposite of that would be this, that there would be a motivation of integrity, one where I want to honor everyone around me, one where I want to be uh, respecting them and blessing them. Is that kind of clear? Y'all are looking at me. Okay, good. So, when I think about, like, let's go back and look at a couple of the illustrations and think about the motivations. So when we think about the Philippian jailer, for instance, what do you think his motive was as he was watching those prisoners that night with Paul and Silas? And the, the jail's broken open, and he immediately responds that he needs to take his life. It's fear. It's guilt. It's shame. It, it, it may be a whole lot of other negative emotions, but immediately his response lets us know. His sense of motivation is, is one of, I don't want to fail. Now, I think for others, we don't see this that I can think of quickly in biblical uh, illustrations, but when someone has operated well, they operate out of integrity, honor, and respect, and with a desire for blessing. Now, what I do see is that modeled by those that Jesus emphasizes in Luke 12. Did you catch that? Those who are watching with anticipation of the coming of the, the homeowner, 
and they're watching, ready to, to like welcome him in, he, it says that he wants to like uh, lounge with them and, and sup with them and have this experience. And so what they're actually serving with in their motivation is that integrity. They're also doing this. They want to bless their master, and they want to rejoice and enjoy his company and his presence. I thought that, that's just such a, a, a great picture. Now, let me, let me say this uh, in, in, in like conclusion about that group in, in Luke 12 where Jesus is talking. When he says that they, they would, he would lounge with them and, and dine with them, there is a sense that he is recognizing that they have done what they ought to do with the right motivation and his just reward for them is that fullness of a relationship. So, so don't lose the sight that what Jesus is talking about there, his response to them is rooted in a sense of justice. Okay, Now, let's go back to the, the, the context of the shepherds for just a moment. And we, and we sang about this all morning, so thanks for doing a good job of figuring this out because I haven't given you an outline. The, the Lord's just leading you well, Mason, thanks. Um, so when we think about the angels interrupting the shepherds' watchful night, and them responding to fear. I'm not saying that that's a fear of the, the watch and, and those things, but it's a fear of these angelic, or this one angelic being approaching them and, and doing something that's miraculous and out of the norm. But they respond, and the, the angel's message is, is one that he declares what to the shepherds? Peace. So where they were likely in the context of their watchfulness and that sense of having to be uh, justified by how they watched, he says, don't worry about that. Be concerned about the peace that is afforded to you through Christ, the one who is born tonight in Bethlehem. And, and so what they do is they then immediately live, leave and go. Let's go back to Luke 2. I love this. Um, if I can find this again real quickly. It's, it's verse 15 and 16. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And verse 16, this ought not to be lost on us. It says, and they went with haste. <laughs> okay, it, so, so there's not this sense of, I don't put it in my terms, this distracted playing around. They went immediately. They, they, with haste, they left and, and I'm not saying they, that they all did. I'm, I'm guessing that someone stayed with the flock, okay, and, and was protecting the, the flock or shepherding them at that period. But I would have ventured that most of those shepherds that, at that point, with haste, made their way to Bethlehem to find Jesus. And so here's, here's what the context, I started thinking about this, and I, I was thinking about the context of what shepherds were doing with their flock and how this idea of justice plays in. Okay, so, so what, obviously, the, the flocks that they're, they're most likely guarding are, are of two types. One, it's either sheep or goats. What were sheep and goats used for at that point? Obviously food, okay, but what else in the life of, of Israel? Sacrifice, exactly, okay? And, and so you think about this for just a moment. Part of the responsibility of the shepherds it's not just to guard the flocks so that, that they're fine in the sense of food and those kind of things. They have to also preserve the flocks so that there's enough animals for what? 
unblemished sacrifices. So this is a huge responsibility. This also probably playing in their minds a little bit as they're guarding the, the, the sheep or the guarding the goats. Because if those animals are injured in any way by a predator, those an- animals aren't going to be viable for the sacrifice. And, and so there's this extra pressure. And in this, what does the sacrificial system point to? That we need something to stand for us because we, in, in between, because our sin separates us from God and we are unclean and we need something to bring justice for us in a sense. And those animals, obviously we know this looking back and understanding this throughout Scripture, the animal sacrifice happened regularly because it was not, what, sufficient. It, it could not complete the work that we need to make us perpetually right. So when the angel announces peace, there, and, and there, uh, the announcement of Christ coming, the Messiah has come, they, in a sense, get to say, the, the shepherds do, we can set aside our, all of our attempts to provide this system of justice through our watch care, and we now get to go and look at the Savior, the one who is going to provide what? Perpetual justice for us, who's going to reconcile and redeem us through His work as what? The sacrificial lamb on our behalf. And I know that's not necessarily in the Scripture, but it's certainly there contextually, isn't it? And so what we see is the system of the law that they were upholding, trying to uphold, gets to be set aside because of Christ. The the law then takes on a different shape. It's to point us to sin, which has always been, but that's shaping up even more in the moment that these these angels, I mean, that these shepherds make this transition. So, So they were literally, their occupation is shifted in that moment. And so their watchfulness gets to take a different turn. So, um... Let me, let me read this, because I think this will help. I want to make sure my notes here are, are covered well. So, they were set free from the earthly things which often anchor us to the justice that we desire or long for that is motivated by fear and its accompanying factors. Instead, they turn their attention to Jesus, and through faith, through faith that he, they, they um, established a faith and through, saw that he would set them free because of a different justice that is discovered because of the grace and love of God. Does that make sense? So, so they're turning away from the sacrificial system and they get to put their trust in Jesus and the faith in Jesus who's satisfying for eternal, uh, for in, in an eternal way, our struggle with sin. So ultimately, what they've done is they've set aside history and Judaism and all those things to to be their means uh, of being right before the Lord. And now their faith is rooted in the work of Christ for their salvation and redemption. It's it's a tremendous thing. And then I I want to go back to this. Because if we put these things together and think about this idea of watchfulness being transition that of fear and guilt and shame to that of honor. This is to me the question this morning. How are we being watchful for the Lord? See, I I think it's so easy for us to say, oh yeah, yeah, we we look forward to Christmas. 
We, we love Jesus. We come to church and we worship. But the, the truth is, I don't think that we're very good at working at being distracted free. That we, if we look at back, and we're going to go back there, look at, go back to Luke 12 with me for just a moment. We're going to pick up in, in verse 35 again. And here's what Jesus says. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake. Let me pause there for just a minute and editorialize. Awake, alert. And I would say earlier, like if you're saying, um, when you think about dress for action, keep your lamps burning, it's not being distracted. See, see our, our, the, the focus is clearly upon the return of the master. Let's keep going again in the text. He says, awake when he truly comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. Verse 38. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Folks, I mean, I know that that text is not a Christmas message. But what those servants were doing is the, like the connection of the, Christian, the Christmas message with where Christ is to return. And the, the Christmas message is not just about the, the, um, only the coming of Christ. It's about the whole ministry of Christ as well. Because it's not just the mere baby that brings us salvation. It's the baby who becomes a man and suffers and dies and rises again. And we cannot forget that. And I think at Christmas, we, we anticipate the Christmas things. But we don't anticipate the fullness of Christ well enough. And we need to be a people who do that well. And, and so that we are readying ourselves for the coming of the Master, that He will return, and that we have trimmed our wicks, so to speak, that the lamps are ready and they're burning and we're waiting at the door so that He is pleased with us. And what does all that mean? Well, I think so many times that we, we get easily like, diverted and distracted in our Christian walk and we forget what God is doing in the sanctifying work of, uh, uh, that we need every day in our lives. And we, so we kind of shelf those values and we don't walk faithfully with the Lord. And, and we need to be people that encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. That's what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 refers to, is that as Christ is, is, is closer to coming, we need to be gathering together. We need to be encouraging more, being more faithful in our stewardship of our gifts to serve, in our relationships so that Christ is honored so that we would be strengthened in our walk, so that we're challenging one another with that integrity and respect and honor that is due Christ, so that as we anticipate His return, He is blessed by that, and we're blessing one another. We're not doing it out of fear. We're not doing it out of a, a sense of the justice that's going to be imposed because we've done it wrong. It's instead the justice that is going to be our reward for watching well. That's a huge issue that we need to consider as we think about our own personal like, motives for walking with the Lord and being faithful to Him. So it's a simple question. It's a real simple question in response this morning. How are we doing in our waiting? Are we watching or are we living distracted? 
Are we diverting our attention from the things of God? Or are we filling our lives with a focus on Him? Making sure that we're honoring Him with our lives, that we're loving Him with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength. Because as we do that well, He will be pleased. If we get distracted, it's not that He's going to be necessarily like displeased with us, but the blessing is not as rich, in a sense. We can get in, that's a, like a whole other message, to be honest. But that, that to me is the challenge. How are we doing in our watching, in our waiting? So let me pray for us this morning. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do prayer a little different. Mason, you can come on up. Um, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to do prayer a little differently this morning. Because I shared uh, yesterday through the email um, that we would gather and do some prayer this morning for victims of the storms. I wanted to ask this. Does anyone know anyone personally who's experienced like damage to a home or maybe something's happened um, in, in their property or something directly with someone? Mallory, did you have somebody? Who is it? Okay, in Clarksville. Yeah, so obviously Clarksville was hit really bad. Hendersonville's um, been hit pretty hard. I saw um, a guy that attended church here several years ago that now lives in Hendersonville. The church he's attending is, has been damaged, so I know their fellowship, time of fellowship is disrupted this morning. Um, anybody else know anyone else personally? Okay. Um, well, well, obviously we need to pray for our community because there's going to be a lot of rebuilding that goes on. And I don't think, like personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to make this decision, but I don't think that this was uh, broad enough and, and severe enough for government to come, like, swoop in. That's my first assessment, that this is probably going to be a lot of personal uh, effort and maybe just through insurance kind of stuff. Um, and so that also is going to mean um, a lot of folks are going to be, in, in a sense, displaced, and especially right here before Christmas. There's retailers involved in all this stuff. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't hear of anyone's life being jeopardized in any of these storms, praise the Lord, uh, in our uh, Springfield area. Um, but we do know that there were some other impacts. People were injured. Like, it's, it's silly, but, um, you know, lights go out. People have fallen downstairs. There's other injuries just because of power outages and other things. Um, but I want us to take a, a few minutes to pray for our community, okay? And so in that, here's how I want to do this. Just as best as you can, circle up. The, the beauty is you don't have to move chairs back in just a minute because we're going to be reshaping the uh, worship center for next week's brunch. So circle up in some groups of about four or five, and heres I'll give you a couple instructions as you, you get into those groups, okay? So, so as you're getting in your groups, here's a couple, I want to add a couple little quick prayer requests together. Um, obviously pray for these communities and, and people uh, that have been impacted by the storms yesterday. I also want you to pray for Russ and Kelly Douglas. Uh, most of you know them in our church. Uh, Russ has been on a roller coaster ride uh, with his treatment since um, early November. Um, actually, it may have been end of October. Uh, he's having struggles with his white blood cell counts, and so it's it's kept him like um, going up and down. Kidney uh, it numbers with his kidneys is up and down. So he's still not been released. He actually was uh, supposed to go home, um, but is ended up being um, admitted back into the hospital because he had some major pain. So he's now dealing with some kind of uh, infection where pneumonia set, set in. So it's just like a chaotic mess. 
And so he and Kelly are, are struggling. He's on some major pain meds. Um, so be praying for Russ and, and uh, Kelly. Also pray for Bonnie um, and Brad Binkley. Um, Brad came home, well, kind of came home yesterday. Their home is not finished in the remodel for the bathroom uh, for his uh, helping him recover and deal with things from the stroke. So they were actually in a hospital, I mean not a hospital, a hotel. Um, and so just be praying for them as they're waiting for the, the construction to finalize, hopefully by this Monday or Tuesday, um, so they can get back in the home and everything like get moving forward for him in that recovery process. Um, so I want to just uh, ask you to, to pray in your groups. We'll give you about five minutes to do that. So you know, don't anyone pray too long, but that'll let everyone pray. And then I'll close us in that prayer time, and we'll do a reprise, okay? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we have come to you in these small groups this morning and been able to lift our voices up to you in our prayers, Lord, it's a, a simple reminder, but it's also a very profound reminder of your omniscience and your authority and sovereignty that you can hear our prayers and respond. And Lord, uh, you know our, our heart's desires and uh, you answer these things, Lord, through your providence and your goodness. And uh, Lord, this morning, as we certainly think through some of the heartbreak and uh, struggles that have happened over the last 24 hours, um, we, we lift up these friends and families and communities to you that you would show yourself faithful and that they would know that you're continuing to work together uh, in their lives, uh, all these things for good, Lord, especially for those who have been called according to your purpose. Uh, Lord, I, I pray this, that especially as believers surround folks that have, have been impacted, uh, that those believers would have opportunities not to just love with hands and feet and um, the, just through the exercise of servanthood, but Lord, also their lips would give testimony to the grace of God uh, that's found in Jesus Christ. And Lord, especially as this season, we think about the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, I think even part of what the message to me at least brings into my mind this morning is that if we're watchful well, we would see how other people need Christ and we would point them to you in our watchfulness. And so Lord, I, I pray that we would be good servants of you in that sense as well. Father, we do want to lift up uh, prayers for uh, the Douglases and for the Binkleys. And we know that you're at work and, Lord, they're trusting in you in these difficult seasons of physical um, trials. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to meet their needs, that you would provide healing and hope um, that is found in Christ only. We want your will to be done in these things. Um, so, Lord, we pray also that we would be a church body that surrounds them well, not just with our prayers, but with our, our calls and words of encouragement and visits. Um, so, Lord, help us to walk those things out well as, uh, as a body. And, Father, as we now uh, worship you in this reprise of the morning, we pray that you would be glorified in our midst. Lord, we, we uh, certainly are encouraged by our worship together as a body uh, because it helps us to, to recognize that we, as, certainly as individuals, have relationship with you. But, Lord, together as a church, we're strengthened in those things. And so, Lord, as we come together and uh, lift up our voices and use our gifts and talents and in service, Lord, it, it is honoring to you as what you've called us to do. And we just want to steward that really well. So, Father, uh, we bless you now in Christ's name. Amen.